When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Greg Kelly Show. There is more fanfare there was for uh, Arbor Day, it seems like, than for July 4th. It's just, <laughs> I, uh, it doesn't feel like much of anything compared to Pride Day, Pride Month, July 4th. Are there big festivities planned? Uh, yeah, I guess officially they'll have the fireworks. Uh, but there seems to be, look, there's plenty of excitement because, uh, July 4th is on a Tuesday, so what does that mean? This is like a blow-off week for a lot of people, right? And today isn't really a work day, even though I think the stock exchange is open. Technically, it is a work day, but uh, uh, everyone seems to be blowing it off. And uh, this is that we- it feels like that weird week between Christmas and New Year's, you know, like when you're kind of hazy and in the twilight zone. It's a little bit like that. Patriotism doesn't seem to be really on the menu. It's so out of fashion right now. It's just... Sticking up for America. How could you? It's a white supremacy state. It's uh, so racist and all those horrible things. And George Washington had slaves. And uh, it's on the front page of the New York Times, folks, all right, that people are turning their back on Fourth of July. And oh, by the way, if you do feel comfortable celebrating, they make that big com- that big caveat that if you are one of those people, one of those ignorant masses who feel comfortable celebrating Fourth of July, here are some things you could do. Um, how to see the fireworks, basically. But, you know, and when a country loses patriotism, every country has problems. And a little bit of uh, patriotism is a is a bit of a leap. You don't dwell on all the bad stuff. You got to root for your country, right? The Chinese are doing it. The Russians are doing it. America, about 40% of the country are into America. 40%. 40%. The rest, apathetic and or they have signed up for the propaganda that America is fundamentally flawed, um, the original sin of racism, all that stuff. Yes, racism was bad. I learned about it in first grade in 1974. I remembered. I, I was really surprised. My brother played Thomas Jefferson in the play. He played Thomas Jefferson in the play, and that was but they but part of the play they mentioned, yeah, he had slaves. We knew this. We knew this. But now we're about to lose the Jefferson Memorial. We're going to rename Washington, D.C. You wait. You wait and see. They are going to rename the whole damn city. And uh, when you do that, well, right now we're just coming apart at the seams. And it's sad. In the, I'm, I'm going to try to get into it the 4th of July, but it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like it used to. And I don't know. I know nostalgia is kind of a... A lazy thing sometimes. Oh, it was always better before. Was it? Well, this I can actually make the case. I know it was better before in New York City. I know it. And not that long ago it was better. We knew how to beat crime here. Rudy Giuliani, Bloomberg, Ray Kelly. Yes, I am biased. But these guys knew how to do it and they did it. And then a bunch of lies were told time and time again. And it's out of control. People are leaving. Those who stay live in fear. I'm not only afraid of getting mugged or stabbed or shot. I'm really afraid of the bikes and the e-bikes. They're like mini motorcycles going down that uh, that special lane 
uh, just for them. They don't seem to realize that there are pedestrians out there. There are people who cross the street. They are so militant, these uh, bike riders. Hey, have you been to a party lately? We don't go to as many parties as we used to. We just don't go to parties like we used to before COVID. But what do you do when you're at a party and uh, people are mingling? As soon as I start talking to somebody or somebody starts talking to me, I think, how is this conversation going to end? How do you get out of it? How do you pivot out of it? What happens? Does somebody get bored? What? And I'm just constantly aware of who else is in the room. Not like I want to talk to somebody else, but I think that person may want to talk to somebody else. And sooner or later, you just got, do you say goodbye? Do you say see you later? And then you see him 10 seconds later. Parties are so inherently awkward. Why do we want to meet like that? I know we do. I know it's good. It's healthy to get out there and mingle and meet people. And it's not being done like it used to. But does it cause anybody else the anxiety that it causes me? It's just, it's a very, and I went to a very fancy dinner on, what was it, Saturday night. Um, And note to the guys, if it's, um, if you got to wear a jacket, you might as well wear a tie, Um, especially in the summer, because when it's sweaty out, your shirt is going to look grimy and wrinkled really, really fast. And if you have one of those, uh, if you have a tie on, it kind of conceals that. It kind of it kind of conceals that a little bit, and you look a little bit fresher than everybody else. Um, but I don't know. I would. I had a. I was just. I'm not the only one awkward in social situations. I know that. Now somebody gave me a tip that no one is thinking about you. Everybody at that party is thinking about themselves. Everybody's worried about themselves, so they're not really watching you closely enough to be offended or to be. Uh, they're just. Everyone's on their own, all right? You think everybody's thinking about you. They're not. Um, so that is a is a healthy coping mechanism a little bit. All right, Joe Biden, the things seem to be coming home to roost a little bit. You can't be going around bragging that you're the grandfather of the century and have an unacknowledged grandkid out there somewhere. Now, I've been talking about this for months. When I found out that Hunter has a daughter named Navy who lives in Arkansas and Hunter has been doing everything he can to uh, get this girl out of his life. He met this woman, what was her name? Miss Roberts. I don't know her first name. I think there's some fake news out there that she was a stripper in Washington, D.C. I don't think that's actually true. I think she may have been working as a as an office worker or something like that. Um, but people chuckle about that, that he hooked up with the stripper. And who cares, by the way, if she's a stripper? Um, she had a child. It's Hunter's. She had to drag Hunter to court to get him to accept paternity. They had to have a paternity test and all that stuff. And he has a granddaughter, unacknowledged by the president of the United States. Uh, He has seven grandkids. Now, I've been talking about this for a long time. Now, fascinatingly, the New York Times went there. A big story that has rocked the political world. um, That the New York Times, who's the writer there? Katie Rogers is her name. She covers the White House would have done all this research and spent all this time talking about Joe Biden's grandkid unacknowledged. Now, we all know it. They all know it. But the way things work these days, you're not supposed to say that stuff out loud. If you're a liberal, you have to protect Joe Biden. You can't talk about that. Well, they did. And I think Joe Biden brought it on himself because this braggadocious crap about what a family man he is. Uh, This is last April on Bring Your Son and Daughter to Work Day. Cut 20, please. And I have a daughter who lives up in Philadelphia. She works to help 
women who are victims of violence, and she's a social worker. And every once in a while, she comes down with her husband. And then, the best part of it all, I have six grandchildren, and I'm crazy about them. And I speak to them every single day. Not a joke. Not a joke, but it is a lie. He has seven of them. He has seven, and one we know he's never spoken to, he's never even met. Neither has his son, the bum Hunter. New pictures of Hunter over the weekend, by the way, that show him smoking crack and going 172 miles per hour down the street. (laughs) And not that long ago. It's not like he was 18. No, this was in 2018, back when Hunter was, uh, how old was he? Uh, 48 or something like that. Hunter is 53 years old right now. So, yeah, he's 48 back then. Um. So this is what has people tongues wagging. And why what, Why is it important? Because you and I know, and I've been talking about this for a while, on my many platforms that Hunter has this grandkid. And I've been sticking up for Navy because she deserves the financial support that she's had to fight for. Her grandfather is the president of the United States. It's just a bad look, quite frankly, for the country. The entire country kind of looks bad when you have a deadbeat granddad in the White House who refuses to do the right thing. Now, it's been frustrating me. It's been frustrating uh, others in the uh, conservative media world. And then the New York Times steps in. London Roberts is the, is the mom's name. London Roberts. And the daughter's name is, is Navy Roberts. Ready? New York Times. This weekend, Katie Rogers is a reporter. She writes, There is a four-year-old girl in rural Arkansas who is learning to ride a camouflage pattern four-wheeler alongside her cousins. Some days, she wears a bow in her hair. And on other days, she threads her blonde ponytail through the back of a baseball cap. When she is old enough, she will learn to hunt, just like her mother did when she was young. The girl is aware that her father is Hunter Biden and that her paternal grandfather is the President of the United States. She speaks about both of them often. But she has not met them. Her maternal grandfather, Rob Roberts, described her as whip-smart and funny. Aim, I may not be the POTUS, Mr. Roberts said in a text message using an acronym for the president, but he said he would do anything for his granddaughter. He said she needs nothing and never will. She needs for nothing and never will. How about that? Rob Roberts, some guy in Arkansas, has more integrity, more a greater sense of duty than the sitting president of the United States. The story goes on uh, that the story surrounding the president's grandchild in Arkansas, who is not named in court papers, is a tale of two families, one of them powerful, one of them not. But at its core, the story is about money, corrosive politics, and what it means to have the Biden birthright. Her parents ended a years-long court battle over child support on Thursday, agreeing that Mr. Biden, who has embarked on a second career as a painter, whose pieces have been offered for as much as $500,000 each, would turn over a number of his paintings to his daughter in addition to providing a monthly support payment. The little girl will select the paintings from Mr. Biden according to court documents. We worked it out amongst ourselves, London Roberts, the girl's mother said in an interview. It was settled. Hunter Biden did not respond to a request for comment for this article. Ms. Roberts said she dropped a request to have the girl's last name changed from Roberts to Biden. Mr. Biden had fought against giving their daughter the Biden surname. Isn't this a free country and your father's name? Wow. I would imagine that there might be a couple of advantages to being the granddaughter of a, of a president, right? I mean, 
Look at how Hunter, uh, I mean, look at how they brag about those grandkids. You think those grandkids aren't running around talking about it all the time? Where's that other thing here? Cut 21, please. Cut 21. Now I have a new, a new baby boy. He's three and a half years old, and his daddy named him after his brother, my deceased son, and he's Bo Biden. So guess what? They're crazy about me <laughs> because I pay so much attention to them. Isn't that amazing? He's, he's bragging about paying so much attention to his grandkids and one of his grandchildren he has never even met and never even acknowledged. That's pretty amazing. The president of the United States. Now, again, this has been uh, going on um, on this show and my other, you know, I've been talking about this and that's actually part of the problem uh, in, in a way, according to the New York Times. Let's see here. Already, it has been extensively covered in conservative media, from Breitbart to Fox News, and conservative commentators assailed the Biden family after news of the settlement. Yeah, no kidding. Why aren't you doing the same thing? Well, I guess you kind of are, obliquely. Both Hunter Biden, the privileged and troubled son of a president, and Ms. Roberts, the daughter of a rural gunmaker, have allies whose actions have made the situation more politicized. There is no evidence the White House is involved in those actions. There is no evidence! (laughs) Well, Hunter is with his dad every step of the way. In fact, they are together right now in Camp David. This is a national disgrace, this situation. Joe Biden, in addition to this, many other things in Hunter, but that this girl is still unacknowledged. And what does she get to do? Keep one of Hunter's crummy paintings? How dare that man? Let's see here. Navy Roberts and your family. On your side of the family, you're good people. Congratulations. Keep it up. We're with you, and I'll be right back. Greg Kelly. This is The Greg Kelly Show. Uh, Another word about... Strippers, okay? I mean, the London Roberts, yes, there was a lot of snickering that she may have been a stripper when she met Hunter Biden, to which I say, so what, all right? Uh, uh, so what, indeed. Uh, the left, they've been doing most of the snickering, actually. Oh, stripper, stripper, stripper. How can you trust a stripper? Well, um, you know, a lot of folks, no matter what their, what their political stripes, have one time or another been to a strip club, um, myself included. It's been a long time. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of them back when I did go. I guess I was in the military at the time, and uh, yeah. But um, I ultimately think stripping or dancing is not good for the people involved, male or female, um, particularly uh, the dancers, all right? Because what is it? I Here's my thing. They get easy money. It's hard work. I mean, you got a physical, whatever. You got to you know, wrap your legs around that pole and spin, I guess, all that stuff. Um, and you get money, sure, uh, but you're not gaining anything in the way of marketable skill, and time is going by, and some of them get addicted to the money. And let's face it, hanging around a bar all night is not that great, all right, especially a strip club. It's just the, the, the people who come and go, yeah, from all walks of life, presidential sons, and you never know what they're like, obviously. Uh, you got high hedge funds guys and you got criminals. You got I mean, just everybody in the world will go through that place at one time or another. And they're just not on their best behavior. I don't think it's a good place to be. And um, th- th- again, they forfeit the opportunity to develop uh, life skills that I think will will uh, help them in the long term. All right. No judgment. 
Hey, DeSantis, oh, by the way, hey, no judgment. Why don't you try that on for size? No judgment, Ron. He put out this over-the-top nasty, and what everybody is saying is a homophobic ad. Um, And trying to say that Trump is, like, crazy on LGBTQ issues. You know what? Ron DeSantis is trying to go all his perception of MAGA, and he has this warped perception that MAGA is, you know, bigoted and and and, and racist and uh it just it, that's not what mag is all about and somehow i think he's playing to what he believes is the lowest and worst common denominator here could i play this ron DeSantis ad a little bit he's going after trump okay listen carefully cut 23 i will do everything in my power to protect our lgbtq citizens but caitlin jenner were to walk into trump tower and want to use the bathroom, you would be fine with her using any bathroom she chooses. That is correct. In the future, can transgender women compete in this universe? Yes. Make America great again. Psych! And then, all right, creepy music. Stop for a second. All right, so you heard what they're saying there, right? You know, you have they have clips of Trump saying, I will protect LGBTQ citizens. How... Why would anybody have a problem with that? Everybody deserves protection under the law, right? They're taking his that's that's actually okay. Now he's trying to confuse. DeSantis is trying to confuse people, right? That he is somehow promoting some of the stuff that we don't like. And what don't we like? We don't like transgenders uh, forcing their uh, their agenda on children. We don't want children to be undergoing uh, hormone therapy. We don't want that stuff. We also don't think pornography should be in school libraries, right? And that stuff is legitimate, but he's trying to conflate this stuff. Now, what Donald Trump was saying was totally legitimate, and I would maintain it's necessary today, to this day, obviously. Nobody should be uh, victimized because of their sexual orientation, okay? But Ron DeSantis seems to be saying that maybe they should be. It's very, very strange. Um. What I pointed out, you know, they take a shot at Caitlyn Jenner. Well, yeah, they should. Caitlyn Jenner is transgender. No, they shouldn't. Caitlyn Jenner made that decision as an adult. Caitlyn Jenner has come out and said, don't sexualize kids. Caitlyn Jenner has come out and said, uh, keep women's sports for biological women. And she's a hero. Hey, Fox News, defend her. listening to the Greg Kelly show. You know that affirmative action case, when you start reading a Supreme Court uh, decision, it gets very complicated. It really does. They speak a it's almost like they're speaking another language, but I was able to kind of narrow this part down. Um, and I think the decision was absolutely great, okay? So, if you were a top performing Asian student, you had your chances of getting into Harvard were less than a bottom-performing black student. It's incredible. It is so incredible, the statistics. And some of this, we believe, driven by anti-Asian prejudice. Absolutely uh, anti-Asian. It's, it's, what do they call it, Kenny Shu, The inconvenient minority. 
right? It really throws the, um, you know, the community is, that's always looking for grievance, you know, uh, talking about black and brown people all over the place, right? You know, the Jesse Jacksons, the Al Sharptons, right? When you start talking about the Asian community and what they have achieved, it really throws the activists into a, a quandary. Um, and what do they do? What is their reaction? Well, to pick on them, <laughs> to pick on them. Uh, Al Sharpton's been doing it for decades. Look it up. He actually there's a racist boycott of those Asian uh, Korean delis, I believe, in, in Brooklyn, 1989, 1990. He was leading the way. And that stuff is still being done. Uh, they're not as overt, but it is absolutely being done to this day. Hey, the woman, uh, you guys remember the whole thing where Adams told that lady to, uh, what is it, like uh, get off the plantation or stop talking to me like you own the plantation? <laughs> uh, that has not gone away, just like I predicted. Cut one, please. Mr. Mayor. Okay, first, if you're going to ask a question, don't point at me and don't be disrespectful to me. I'm the mayor of this city and treat me with the respect I would I deserve to be treated. We're supposed to say to nasty things about you. Don't stand in front like you treated someone that's on the plantation that you own. Unbelievable. All right, so he goes right to the race and racism. I mean, it's horrible. So this woman was on the WABC was on WABC Talk Radio. I don't know which show she was on, but uh this is Jeannie Dubnow, and she is 84 years old. She's been advocating for uh, renters in this city since the 1960s. I think she's an academic. She's a professor somewhere of, like, microbiology. So she's very smart. Oh, by the way, her family escaped the Holocaust, okay? She was born in uh, Belgium, I think, uh, before World War II. And um, so she's kind of an interesting lady. And uh, cut two, please. Can you repeat, like, what was your question to Mayor Eric Adams? Well, basically, I was asking, I was, it, it wasn't really a question. It was basically informing him that he was an enemy of tenants in, in New York City because of the horrible rent increases that the Rent Guidelines Board passed, which is in the Rent Guidelines Board, we all know, is directed by the mayor. Not only does he appoint the members, but he also has direct influence on them. And he had said it before they made their decision that he was in favor of rent increases. And then afterwards, he, was, he thought it was a great decision that they had made. So basically, it was not a question. It was a statement. And the meeting was totally uh, uh, controlled by the administration. We were sitting at tables. We were not allowed to ask questions. I just stood up and made that statement because I, I could see that at our table there was somebody, and at each table that we had, there was somebody from the administration who was going to be empowered to make this question. What did you think of his response? Oh, it was just a deflection. It was an attempt to... Is that it? He had no answer. So he just used that to deflect. That's all. Would you say you would want an apology from him? I don't care about that. I want him to change. Well, he won't because he's paid for by real estate. So he's not going to change his policies. He got millions of dollars for his campaign from real estate. You know that. And he's been extremely friendly to real estate the whole time. So he's not going to change. I, I don't care about apologies. I mean, the main thing is we need a different mayor. We need to get rid of this guy. Well, good for her. 
And she's right about the real estate people. I mean, the real estate, they'll do business with anybody. And quite frankly, they have to, okay? I mean, after he got the nomination, uh, they want to get things done. They want, and money talks, okay? So they, uh, yep, they sent him a lot of money and uh, he does their bidding. Um, But that's certainly not the, that's not the shtick he campaigned on, is it? And for him to call that lady a racist, and it's true. You know, that whole thing was called Ask Eric. Ask Eric, ask Eric anything. But you go, there are no microphones. You sit at these weird tables. You got the, it's it's basically uh, more officials there than people. And, um, well, I like her a lot. Uh, Jeannie Dubnow, uh, good for her. I have a feeling she might be a little bit to the left politically, but that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. And I don't care, even if I don't agree with her or what, what she says, Her her uh, if she asked another question, I don't care. She should not have been treated that way. Uh, for the mayor of the city of New York. What, this is amazing, right? We got a mayor who's openly racist, and we have a deadbeat granddad, uh, Joe Biden, in the White House. Stephen, what's up? Hi, I would rather be a stripper than a Biden. A stripper has integrity. You can't say that about the Biden family. Well, it depends. Not all strippers have integrity. I mean, right? I mean, you're right about the Bidens. They don't have integrity, but not all strippers have integrity. All right. Can't make a blanket statement like that, Stephen. I mean, what's your experience with that? Well, just from what little I see, they are sometimes forced in those situations. Eh, no, nah, I don't know about that. I mean, forced into those situations uh, in America. I mean, I'm not going to go with the, oh, it's sex trafficking and all that stuff. Do you remember when Bob Kraft got nailed, right? And everybody was talking about sex trafficking and nobody knew what the hell they were talking about. I'm just saying you can't, I wouldn't say as a, I can't make that blanket statement, okay? I just, uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Stephen, thank you. That's uh, it's interesting. All right. Let's try one other. Let's try Sal. Hello. Hey, Greg, Brother Marine. Happy Fourth of July. I think we have a few things rapid fire. First of all, I want everyone in the sound of my voice, courtesy of Meucci and the telephone and Marconi and the radio, to bring an American veteran to a barbecue, alfresco dining, beach party. If they're infirmed at the VA hospital or a nursing home, bring them some leftovers, bring them gift cards, bring them a change of clothes, toiletry. Hey, you know, hold on a second. You know, Sal, um, not all veterans are like that hard up. You know that, right? I mean, there's one thing about, I, we love those who I served, I guess you served too. And, uh, but there is this perception out there that we're like, you know, all homeless or something like that. That's not true. It's kind of like a cross-section of America, those who serve. Like, it's a cross-section of America. Always good to go by and see if uh, the, they need any volunteers at those veterans' hospitals, but they're not all like that. You know that? I mean, have you, you've seen that. It's been popularized in media, right? Especially Hollywood, that every vet is, like, down in the dumps and, uh, you know, drug-addicted or uh, homeless, and it's not true. And I'm sorry, Sal, that's uh, something I just noticed about what you said. But anyway, what else? 66%, Greg. 66%, two-thirds of the homeless men and women in America are American veterans. That's a fact. And no, I, I don't think that's American actually, I, that's not a fact. Um, and oh, by the way, I mean, if that were a fact, what the hell would it have said about military service? I mean, military service. Gosh, I thought we learned a few things in the military. You know, some skills, some life skills. Um, I don't know. I don't know. What are you doing for uh, Fourth of July? Me, I'm going to go in my wheelchair with my American Marine mongrel pulling me, and we're going to go acquire thousands of dollars 
of food to get it to American veterans shut-ins and, and their animals and American veterans who are in encampments who are homeless. 13,000 American veterans commit suicide, Greg, every year. That's one every hour. That means two of our a brother and a sister, American veterans, I will be gone by suicide, God rest their souls, by the time your show is over. All right, That's Sal, that. keep it up. Keep it up. Thank you very much for all your work, hard work uh, out there. And uh, ooh, I hate talking about suicide, no matter what group, you know, suicide. No, oh, gosh, there's always, always, always a better way other than suicide, right? Hey, uh, I do want to say this about, you know, every now and then people will say, why are you friendly with Caitlyn Jenner? Um, because she, retwe- she retweeted me. And even people, why are you saying she? Well, a couple of reasons. Number one, like I said before, made the decision as an adult, not as a uh, you know, didn't do it when they were a kid, okay? And has been steadfast in saying that this is the territory only for adults undergoing that kind of, you know, whatever, procedure. I think she, I think Caitlyn Jenner was 50 years old. 50 years old, just like our friend Christine in, in, in Connecticut. All right? After decades and decades and decades, if you want to have that surgery done, okay, it's a free country. You're allowed to do these things if you're an adult. And Caitlin has been steadfast about, no, it should not be kids. And also that biological women, those born women, are the ones who should be playing in women's sports. Putting transgender people in women's sports is dangerous and it ruins the whole thing. And Caitlin has been a leader on that stuff. And oh, by the way, it's one of the reasons why aspects of the T, the LGBT group, uh, can't stand her. It's amazing. And she actually said that she had more trouble when... Caitlyn Jenner had more trouble coming out as a Republican than coming out as <laughs> transgender. The transgender, they loved her until she came out as a Republican, and then they went after her with a vengeance. And, oh, by the way, so why do I say she? You know, I know, I know that there are some people, I will actually insist on not calling them by their preferred pronouns, okay? It's a courtesy, though. It's a courtesy. I respect uh, Caitlyn and, and what she's done and where she's come from, and if that's how she wants to be seen— Fine. That's my choice, oh, by the way. Nobody can mandate that language. And right now in Michigan, they're trying to mandate that you use preferred pronouns. Now, in America, you can still <laughs> – you have a right to be insulting if you want to be, all right? You do. You have a right to uh, be obnoxious. You have a right to say whatever the hell you want. Um, and they're trying to criminalize being able to say whatever the hell you want, and that's wrong. Canada, oh, by the way, has done that. So that's – that's where I am on Caitlyn, and uh, yeah, it's kind of cool. Caitlyn did uh, retweet me, and Caitlyn is, people say, well, why would Donald Trump say that about uh, the bathroom situation? Number one, this was before all of the insanity that erupted over the past, uh, what, eight to ten years, okay? This is before that, and if you personally know somebody, uh, and it's a, it's, your, it's a bathroom basically in your own house, hey, think about it, the bathroom in your house is... Uh, it's not a men's room. It's not a women's room, right? Anybody can go into the bathroom in your house. They're, um, what do you call it? They're, they're gender neutral. Most bathrooms are gender neutral. Think about it that way. Hi, Sandra. Hi, welcome back. Hi, Greg. Happy July 4th weekend. Um, I want to, I was, how, how's your hand? I know you fell and I was thinking about that. I was just wondering how, how your hand is. Uh, thanks for asking. It's quivering in the weirdest way. Uh, <laughs> I just know it, it's, uh, I got a little bit of a spasm going. I don't know if it's for the fall, but anyway, don't worry about it. What else is going on? So I'm going to go see this movie today called um, The Sound of Freedom. I have no idea what it's about, 
but I heard it's very apropos for this weekend. So we'll go see that later, and I'll give you an update on it if it's good. I'm sure it is. And um, I wanted to say that, you know, censoring Robert F. Kennedy, it's only helping him because people love to see what they are not able to see. So censoring him on all his uh, vaccination information and everything he has to say, it's only helping him. I don't know if it's only helping him. Long term, this censorship has a real problem, has a real impact. You're politically active, Sandra. You're totally tuned in. You're you're well informed. You're you know, you're just all over this stuff. Most people aren't. And they're not going to hear Robert F. Kennedy unless they go out of their way to find it. And they're not going to be they won't get that initial hit where they're intrigued. YouTube it's insane what they're doing to conservatives or libertarians or people they don't agree with. I mean, that's so I don't think it's only helping uh, Robert F. Kennedy. There's a real price here when big tech gets involved and starts reengineering stuff. Um, and he's not, you know, he's not like ubiquitous like Trump. I mean, Trump can survive all this because his brand is bigger and you know, well-established, but uh, RFK, I don't think it does. So uh, keep that in mind. Sandra, thank you. And speaking of Trump, he had an awesome rally over the weekend. South Carolina, uh, very little coverage of this, but the people, tens of thousands of people turned out. Cut 14, please. Wow, thank you very much. That's a big crowd of people. Trump, 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 Trump. Well, hello, Pickens, and hello to South Carolina. It's great to be with you. We've had great success together. I don't know if you know it, but those crowds are going all the way back into whatever the hell street you have back there. Whatever that street is, they've passed it. Whatever the hell street that is, gosh. You know what that is? That is New York. That is Queens. And remember, the three things to know about Trump, all right? When your friends can't stand him, all right? Especially across the country. Number one, he's a billionaire. They're different from you and me. They're ju- they just are. Um, not a politician. He did not grow up decades and decades and decades trying to figure out what people wanted to hear and telling them that. He would go into rooms and he would want something and he'd figure out how to get it. <laughs> okay? How to, how to get what I want. Uh, most of the politicians are so superficial. They're so silly. And they just kind of like this. They want this, uh, this, this fame. What else? Uh, uh, not a politician. Um, he is uh, a billionaire and he's from Queens. Those are the, th- those are the three things. And uh, as we go to break, I mean, look, listen to these folks. Uh, they're not wrong. You know, they, the whole world has told them not to like Trump. And look at how that's worked out. Cut 15, please. In a million years, this would not happen for Joe Biden. We love Biden. We love Biden. It doesn't even sound right. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly. Listening to the Greg Kelly Show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome United States Senator Lindsey Graham. (laughs) (laughs) Lindsey Graham. 
This is South Carolina. They hate him down there. Thank y'all. Welcome to Pickens. Wow. Uh, what did he do? Uh, look, sometimes he's great. Sometimes he's terrible. Uh, he, uh, and I think that's the problem. He's not consistent. He's had some amazing moments in the Senate. Man, when he stuck up for Kavanaugh, uh, that was that was so good. That was, oh, man, just worth everything. His entire career made in, by that moment. I mean, it was just so perfect. If you don't know what I'm talking about, we should we should. You know what? I'm going to find it and um, I'll bring it to you in a little bit. Uh, when he kind of yells at the Democrats for that horrible thing they did with Christine Blasey Ford and that horrible trick. Um, but he's just not reliable. He's not reliable, and he's made over the top statements about January 6. But boy, they they let him have it. They let him have it. I would love it if this person were dishonorably discharged from the army right away. Instead, they've made this individual the poster child of the army. <laughs> I mean, this, this is, uh, this is the insane world we're living in. It has major Jones. Major Jones is now living authentically, saves soldiers life. According to army.mil, this is major Rachel Jones, uh, Rachel was probably born Richard, if you know what I mean. This is not a woman, okay? But now on the official Army website, you go to it, and you see this individual, who's clearly a man, a little overweight, by the way. You know, I mean, you're in uniform. We're all a little bit overweight, but when you're in the Army, you're supposed to be fit and trim. It's got long hair like a woman, but it's a man, and holding two pride flags up, and saying stuff like this, cut 22. Hi, I'm Major Rachel Jones. And what pride means to me is celebrating that diversity is our strength as a nation and as an army. Pride means something very special to me as a LGBTQ individual. And it's a chance to show everyone what we have to offer in terms of the diverse skill sets that we bring and the diverse ways of thinking we bring into the team to make everything work better. Wow. You know, diversity is actually uh, the opposite in a weird way, what you want in the military. I'm not talking about diversity of skin color, religion, none, none of that stuff. But the diversity of, you know, all this other stuff, the diversity of thinking, we, it's uniformity. That is actually kind of what you're going for. And you got all, everybody's got their, you know, passion projects and all that stuff. You pick that up after you leave service, okay? When you're in the service, when you're in the military, when you're wearing the uniform, uniformity, Right. That's kind of the strength, not diversity. I keep hearing diversity is our strength. Diversity is our strength. It is. It sounds wonderful. It's not diversity. And you're going to just reduce people to what they look like. What about who they are? What about uh, it's uh, it's 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 absolutely incredible. This individual army dot mill right there. The observance of Pride Month celebrated every June was first recognized by the Department of Defense in June of 2012. The road to self-acceptance was not easy for Major Jones, before coming out privately to her therapist, Jones lived every day deeply depressed and suicidal. When I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, there was a lot of anti-LGBTQ plus rhetoric. Uh, however, now I am my true, authentic self. You can be your true, authentic self. Be like most people. Don't join the military, okay? It's, very, it's a very easy thing to avoid. The Greg Kelly Show. 
not the biggest anniversary in the world, but 32 years ago today, Terminator 2 uh, debuted. Terminator 2, Arnold Schwarzenegger, a uh, great movie. I actually happened to have been in Japan uh, when it came out and uh, saw it in a Japanese movie theater. Uh, it was cool. They loved it in America. They loved it in Japan. I personally loved it. Um Justin, remember the liquid metal guy? Terminator 2. I saw it maybe two years ago. It still holds up. Still very, very good. It's funny. Now, um, it made a hell of a lot of money. Now, the thing was, uh, James Cameron wrote and directed it. And James Cameron um, basically wanted to make the Terminator, Arnold Schwarzenegger, a good guy. And the um, <laughs> Arnold himself was like, I don't think that's a good idea. I need to kill people. And literally, like he was like afraid of being portrayed as a softy. And, uh, you know, I want to kill people. That's what they expect. That's my brand. And uh, he insisted that he uh, kill people. And Cameron said, no, you're wrong. I'm going to make this new. We're going to re-envision the whole damn thing. And uh, James Cameron was right. Uh, the movie worked. It was really cool, actually, that the Terminator was a good guy. Um, it was really cool. And all, how about that uh, scientist who figured out that all of his work was going to be used to build this new generation of uh, death machines, and he totally freaks out? Oh, gosh, that movie was great. Um, and it was a bit of an adventure to watch it in Japan. How many – you go on vacation. You know, think about it. You go on vacation, and you don't do any of the stuff that normal people in that country do. You go to this museum, you go to that museum, you go to this thing, you take a boat to see this special island, but you don't do what the people actually do there. And when you do that stuff, I find it to be much more enriching, although I don't want to travel anywhere. I'm <laughs> uh, Never again. I just want to stay here. I, 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 don't, I don't want to deal with jet lag, and I don't want to deal with uh, different languages. I just want to. Part of it is, not to brag, but I was on Air Force One a bunch, Air Force One, the president's jet. In 2005, 2006, I flew on Air Force One. I was a White House correspondent at Fox News, one of three, and uh, got to fly on it a whole bunch of times. And when you fly on Air Force One, it's the, the most ridiculously easy way to travel. I mean, I uh, commuted, what, 10 blocks today, okay? Um, and I, that, was, that was harder than the time I went to India on Air Force One. It's just, it's that, it's that, it's like a magic carpet and you don't have to ask for anything. Everything is done for you. Even in, and I wasn't the president. I'm just some, uh, some, some guy in the back with the press. It is still, so I didn't really want to travel after that. I used to have this, uh, what are they, wanderlust. I wanted to go around and see the world. Nope. Uh, now I've seen enough, uh, which I know is not the best attitude to have, but uh, that's, uh, that's the way it is, folks. The city is spiraling out of control. Have you heard about these children, more children getting killed by stray bullets? Sometimes they're stray. Sometimes they're actually intended for the, uh, for the victim, for the target. Um, listen to this. It really, really gets me uh, when a little kid, a five-year-old, a five-year-old, the shooting that left a five-year-old girl grievously wounded in the Bronx on Friday was connected to a killing that happened around the corner a day earlier. Police have not named any suspects in the violence that wounded the child as she was riding in the family car near a vigil on East 214th Street for the other shooting victim. Chief of Patrol John Shell, at a Sunday press conference outside the Children's Hospital at Montefiore 
I said this was uh, um, there was a homicide the night before. I can assure you there will be closure in this case. We just promised mom and dad that we will close this case in short fashion. The violence exploded just after 7 p.m. during a vigil for Justin Rodriguez, a 26-year-old man fatally shot a block away on Thursday morning. Police and witnesses offered conflicting accounts about how the shooting unfolded. Witnesses say the bullets came from a passing car, while cops say the trigger man was hidden in the crowd. A single bullet went through the trunk of the family car, struck the unidentified five-year-old in the back. A car, um, let's see, a car backfired in what may have been mistaken for gunfire. Three of the four suspects began shooting, according to NYPD. One of their bullets tore through the trunk of the family's beige Nissan and struck the girl in the back. And we had an update um, on Saturday. The girl's parents uh, said their daughter was stable and improving. Uh, the parents said they did not want to be identified by name and would not detail what happened on Friday. It was stupid, the father said of the shooting before walking away. The acting police commissioner, Edward Caban, dropped in on the hospital Sunday to bring the girl a small gift of toy mini brands. I don't know what that is. What's a mini brand? Hmm. Uh, I have children of my own, and I know how I would feel if something happened to my children. I think any parent could relate, so I'm here first and foremost as a parent to show support. All right, that's nice. Nice move. Uh, I don't want to nitpick the new police commissioner here. I'm not saying you got to wear a tuxedo everywhere you go, but I'm looking at this guy. He's Edward Caban, C-A-B-A-N. He is the new acting police commissioner. And I'm sorry, if you you got to dress for the job you want, right? Isn't that what they say? There's something to He's wearing a Yankee jersey. He's wearing a an untucked Yankee jersey. He's the police commissioner, I guess. We don't know who this guy is yet. You can't go around dressed like that, all right? He looks like any guy you've ever seen at a Yankee game. You're the police commissioner. I mean, everybody's got their own style. Is this really him? Yes, it is. He, <laughs> okay. Um, how about... <laughs> What's Eric? Maybe he doesn't want to outdress the boss, right? Because Eric, Eric really likes to be the stylish one. So maybe, maybe this is smart. But I don't think I. I don't know. I'm I'm looking for a little bit more. All right, and looks do have something to do with it. Professionalism that you gave a damn. You know, you're going to show up at the hospital. These parents don't know who you are. You got the, you became the police commissioner two days ago. All right, we don't know who you are yet. And you got to tell them you're the police commissioner and you're wearing a Yankee jersey, a Yankee, the Yankee. I don't know. You know, if this guy does not get the job, and I don't think he will, because um, they went out of their way to say he is the new acting police commissioner, we will have had six police commissioners in nine years. Six. Bratton, O'Neill, Shea, Sewell, Caban, and the sixth. That's That's a lot of turnover. And oh, by the way, you know how I feel about the commissioner who came before all these guys. Yes, Ray Kelly. Uh, 12 years, 12 years. No one will ever, ever, ever come close. Hey, this is not the only horrible shooting. A 15-year-old boy was shot and killed at a Manhattan park on Saturday evening. Now, I used to go to this park all the time, but I even got, I got, the, I got the heebie-jeebies when I was going there. They have a beautiful track. It's Riverbank State Park in Hamilton Heights. And back when I was really serious about running, I'm getting back into it. I would go up there for my speed workouts. Um, but I started to kind of pick up on the vibe there. And I decided, you know what? I think I'll, uh, 
I don't, I don't think this is the place for me anymore. So a 15-year-old kid was shot. Don't have much in the way of, wait, the teen was shot on the park's basketball courts, 15 years old. And then there's this. I warned about Juneteenth because it's an, nobody really has a good grasp of what it is. And there's something about the long, hot summer. You ever hear that phrase, a long, hot summer? We're, we're girding for a long, hot summer. It connotes a, a, a summer of violence and uh, chaos and disorder. And I don't know if you want to get into the summer with a great big day off for everybody and nobody understands fully why we're taking the day off. Listen to this. Juneteenth was New York City's deadliest day for shootings in 2023 so far. When Denisha Ferguson spoke to her dad on Father's Day, he was enjoying a favorite meal and a special gift. All he wanted was a wallet, Denisha said. He called and said, thank you for the gift. And he was eating his fried fish, and he was just so happy. I know exactly how that feels. The Father's Day before last, I got a new wallet, and it was the only damn thing I wanted, and I got it, and it was so cool. Um, barely 24 hours later, Howard Ferguson was dead, the first of five people to be killed by gunfire on Juneteenth, making it the city's deadliest day of gun violence so far this year. Gun violence continues to, oh yeah, here we go. It's trending downwards citywide. And then you got Elwick bragging about that. We know, we know, we can feel it. We can see it. We know it's happening. Poor guy, Howard Ferguson, one of five. Now, we know how to fix crime. We know it. We know the strategies that work. And quite frankly, I'm sorry, but Republicans are better at it than Democrats. They absolutely are. Rudy Giuliani, Bloomberg, you know, before he went all woke and weird, was a Republican. I actually don't know if this is true anymore. I don't know. Here's Governor Wes Moore, this new hotshot from Maryland. Um, Listen to what he says, because I actually don't think it's true. Cut 24. Trust me, nobody wants to address violent crime more than the people that actually live in the community suffering from the violence. Yet we politicize this issue to a point that we believe it's us against them. So the ask is, let's come together on this. And let's focus on the realities of violence instead of emphasizing the deficiencies in certain communities. Violence touches people in our cities and in our suburbs and in our rural areas. Violent crime isn't a democratic issue. It's not a Republican issue. It's an issue facing all of our communities governed by folks across the political spectrum. And so in this moment, we need to be serious. And we need to depoliticize this. And we need to work together. And until we stop this political blame game while people die, we are never going to make progress. Oh, wow. Doesn't doesn't that sound nice? That sounds so reasonable. He's wrong. He's wrong. He's doing a bunch of clever little things there. Wait, the problem with crime is as bad in the rural areas, suburban areas, as urban areas. That's not true. That's not true. We have some outliers. I know we got the MS-13 problem, right? But now this is, you know what happened in Baltimore. We just went through some of the horrible things that happened in New York City. And in, in Baltimore, this weekend, uh, 30 people were shot. 30 people were shot. In one mass shooting, 30 people shot in mass shooting at South Baltimore block party, two dead. 
Acting Police Commissioner Rich Worley said during a news conference shortly after 5 in the morning that officers received multiple calls for a mass shooting in the 800 block. Uh, this is all geography for uh, for uh, Baltimore. Baltimore has had problems for a long time. You know, and you hear what he just said. I actually don't think that's true because time and time again, the communities most affected by this stuff keep voting people who are committed to not doing anything about it or blaming the police. Even Wes Moore, actually, in his own clever way, blames police and puts criminals and police on the same on the same level. There's a real problem with that. And this is where the NRA could help. If everybody stopped <laughs> the nightmares and the, 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 the gaslighting, I hate that word, but you can call it gaslighting about the NRA, If the bad guys would only lose to shoot straight, and that's what the NRA can teach you, fewer children would be killed. And I think that would be a great thing. The NRA can save lives. It's too bad that those who are doing the most shooting are not availing themselves of those amazing services. NRA.org. Check it out. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly. This is The Greg Kelly Show. It's actually true. There is a total meltdown and freak out over the uh, affirmative action case. Um, I think it's fantastic. And oh, by the way, this uh, anti-white mania out there, I don't think anybody should be anti-anything. It doesn't matter, especially stuff you can't control. Most people can't control their ethnicity. Uh, You really can't control your gender. You, You shouldn't be judged for stuff you can't control. Uh, there's a big exception, however, for white people. If you happen to be white, uh, it's full on, full on. They're actually teaching courses about the evil of whiteness and how bad it is to be white and how whiteness if, uh, infects everything. It, it's true. I mean, it's true that they're teaching this nonsense. Uh, at the University of Chicago, there's this whole thing because there's a professor out there who's teaching a, a course about how bad white people are. And one of the conservative students came forward and said, you know what, this is not a good idea, and I think everybody should let this teacher know that it's a bad idea. And he put her email address up on um, the Internet. And, of course, everyone now, there's a whole thing. Oh, he doxed her. Doxer is like, I guess, when you put personal information up on the web and you invite people to uh, harass people. Now, I think this is just a freedom of speech issue, and the guy's allowed to do that. But here's a dirty little secret about uh, harassment, all right? People actually want to be harassed, all right, especially uh, if you're a liberal and it's perceived that you're being harassed by conservatives Um, because there you you can claim victimhood. You can also, uh, oh, there were death threats. Death death threats are always wrong, okay, but I think they're kind of exaggerating a little bit what what this person is going through. The easiest thing in in the world is to take your email off of your website, okay? Okay. I mean, you can't really find most people's emails. In academia, they are a bit more um, accessible. So I went to this person's email, uh, what do you call it, uh, website at the University of Chicago. I just put in the name and University of Chicago, and boom, it pops up. And the very first thing you see in huge letters is the individual's, excuse me, email address. They want this kind of heat. They want this stuff. So they can go to the administrators and say, "What? A, look at me, I'm such a victim. And they can score points against uh, 
the conservatives and they'll find a couple of the yahoos who emailed, you know, some there's going to be some crazy people, all right? There are always crazy people out there. And look at what this crazy person said and they somehow represent all of conservatives. That's not true. Um, but it's, it, I just found that very interesting that I could find this person's email address who's compl- complaining in the New York Times that people are emailing her, and I found her email address in a half a second on her own page, all right? If she didn't want these emails, she could have taken the email address down. Uh, Sydney in the Bronx, hello. Uh, good afternoon, Ray Kelly. Uh, Greg Kelly, yes, sir. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, uh, I, I want to say about the crimes that we're having. Uh, I live near the two shootings we had last night, earlier this morning on Claremont on Webster Avenue, uh, and then another one Eastburn Avenue on the Grand Concourse 175. Um, I think what we need to do is bring back the uh, foot patrol, two men, three men together, and, and walk in the streets, our neighborhoods, and. Uh, uh, also, maybe instead of three strikes and you're out, two strikes and you're out. If you're a repeat offender of handguns, uh, robbing people with handguns repeatedly, uh, you should go to jail for a long time. Throw away the keys on these guys. Well, Sydney, you're in the thick of it. Um, what neighborhood is that? You said uh, Webster Avenue in Claremont. What neighborhood do you consider that? That's the Marasania section of the Bronx they consider. Two shootings last night, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, I volunteer in the neighborhood, and I happen to have a a scan of my own. And uh, whenever I hear police cars rushing, I could could sense, and I I know when they're going to a shooting or something big. The way they're driving by my window and the way the sirens are going. And uh, I turn on my scanner, and sure enough, most of the time, Send a bus, send a bus. Somebody's hit, meaning a bus, somebody's hit, somebody's a bu- shot. Yeah, a bus is police talk for ambulance. That's right. That's right. Send a bus, send a bus. Somebody's down, somebody's hit. They say I mean, something. It's, it's, I, I need a boss and a bus, meaning I need a sergeant and an ambulance right away. I love those little, uh, those, the, the, the jargon of the police department. Um, all right, so you have some interesting recommendations. Uh, what do you do with that scanner? Why do you have, you have a radio and you can listen to all that stuff. What do you do with that? Hmm? Oh, man. We lost him anyway. All right, there's the music. Uh, Sydney, call back if you can. I want to know the answer to that question. Oh, also, I got a report that somebody here knows the new commissioner, Cabin. Uh, we'll find out what that's all about. All right, I'll be right back. You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show. Garden City, Long Island. You know, I uh, actually went to Garden City High School, and this comes up fairly frequently. And they say there's a big, uh, if you want to know about <clears throat> white supremacy, you got to compare Garden City High School with Hempstead High School, which is not that far away. And it's only a few miles away. And um, uh, the graduation rate at uh, Garden City High School is like 99%. Um, at Hempstead, it kind of varies wildly. Sometimes it's uh, all the way down to the 40s. Uh, recently, it was as high as 81 percent. Um, uh, overwhelmingly, kids from um, Garden City go on to college. Uh, that's not necessarily the case at Hempstead. And uh, what everybody likes to say is, I mean, the the liberal left, the media, that this uh, this must be racism. 
Um, and you can, yes, there are greater tax dollars. Uh, there's more money to spend in in uh, Garden City than in Hempstead. Uh, but is, is is it just about money? Uh, I don't think so, actually. I really don't. I think also it's about student behavior. And if you look at um, some of the stuff that's happened in and around Hempstead High School, uh, the violence, the shootings, the stabbings over the years, consistently over the years, that's a that's a big, big, big problem. And $2,000 more per pupil is not going to make the difference. And oh, by the way, Hempstead High School happens to be one of the most impressive buildings I've ever seen. I remember being a kid and being in awe of it. It's totally modern. Uh, granted, it's in the 70s now. Hey, Garden City is all the way back in the 19, uh, 1950s. Uh, these schools, it's not the physical structure. It's... Uh, it's much deeper than that, and I've said this before. America's having a ludicrously stupid conversation about race to avoid having an important and uncomfortable one, all right? And namely, what we really – where the hell – why are there so many black fathers who are MIA, who are AWOL? Hmm? It's, it happens in every community. Hell, it happens in uh, the so-called best families. Hunter Biden, AWOL in his daughter's life. But – it happens uh, a bit more than in other communities uh, in the African-American community. And if you have doubts about that, just ask Barack Obama. Hey, Rudy Giuliani is in the news. He's all over the place. Uh, they're asked these, uh, oh, he's this investigation, that investigation. He's going to be here in a little bit. He's actually going to be in the studio. And I want to talk to him, find out what's really going on. But uh, with that, I'll take some calls. Barbara, hey, how are you? Fine. I'm ready to celebrate the 4th of July. I refuse to be depressed. <laughs> I refuse to have my enthusiasm for our Declaration of Independence subdued in any way. I'm looking at the copy of it right now. I have my pocket constitution and Declaration of Independence right in front of me. And uh, one of the founders, James Madison, made a comment. He said, a well-instructed people alone can be permanently a free people. So how many people have read our Declaration of Independence and our Constitution? They're simple, short documents, but they are so powerful. And when our Declaration of Independence says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, we are the only nation in the world who bases the ruling in our country and our laws are all based on the Judeo-Christian principles from nature and nature's God. And I'm so proud of our country. I'm going to go out to a parade across the street on the 4th of July, and I'm going to stop at the dollar store today and pick up the uh, the two for, for a dollar American flags, and I'm going to buy $50 worth. And I'm going to give them out to every child I see, every young child who doesn't have a flag and wants one, and let them hold that flag and wave at the marchers going by. I'm going to do everything I can. I think we all need to. Well, I love it. I love it, Barbara. Did you see Joe Biden? He didn't even know the uh, difference between the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. Did you see that? He got it mixed up. I'm not surprised. Now, granted, I'm, I'm not I got surprised. that mixed up myself until relatively recently, but uh, I do know it, and uh, he is such a bum. And, hey, w- real quick, your thoughts on – and you actually brought this to my attention. A lot of people were kind of saying snarky things about London Roberts, the mother of Navy Roberts, you know, um, the unacknowledged grandchild of the President of the United States. You see that's getting a bit more attention from the mainstream media? 
I did see that. I saw the New York Times article about it, and I read that the child is going to get some of her father's paintings. I don't know if that's a joke or what, what that is, that she's going to get some of his paintings. I saw that she's not taking his surname. I know. That and was part the, of the settlement. It's so sad. It's so sad. Hey, I'm sorry, everybody. Barbara, I got I got. actually, I got to run down the hall. I got to talk to Rudy Giuliani. And uh, we're bringing him here momentarily. He's back in the news. Uh, thank you. Have a great 4th of July, Barbara. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly. This is The Greg Kelly Show. Oh, yeah, sorry about that. Do you ever answer the phone when you don't recognize the number? Do you you answer the... It really is kind of, right? It really freaks you out a little bit, and uh, you're tempted to answer it, and then it's usually spam. But then if you don't answer it, and then they leave a voicemail, you got to check the voicemail, right? You got to figure out, if is this somebody stalking me? Is this friend or foe? I just got one of those calls, and the, the message is so weird. I can't figure out if I was spammed or... If this is uh, some guy who uh, wants to do me harm, Rudy Giuliani just walked in, America's mayor, Mr. Mayor. It's uh, it's great to what is that? God bless America. He's got a beautiful neon sign. Got God nice sign here, Mr. Mayor. Um, welcome, My listen, favorite, Mr. Kelly. Well, I just saw you on the news. Uh, actually, all afternoon they've been showing your picture. What, on. Am I, what was I doing? What was I doing? Just what? You know, when in doubt, they just do a story on Rudy Giuliani, and it's uh, yeah. They're all yeah. speculating about. I spoke to the what is the Independent Council? Yes, the Jack Special Council. And you're Jack flipping on. You're flipping, I'm on, flipping Trump. on Trump. I'm flipping on Trump. And Andrew was playing golf with him yesterday. What a crumbag I am! My son's <laughs> playing golf with him, and he had. By the way. He had six birdies. <laughs> he had six birdies. What is a birdie? The birdie is when you're on a, on a, the hole has par, three, four, five. If you get uh, two on a three, it's a birdie. If you get three on a four, it's a birdie. In other words, it's one under the requisite number for the hole. Right. So a birdie is like, you do four or five birdies, you're a professional. Wow. And that's what Andrew does. Andrew does three, four, but he played on the, in Europe. Trump is under all this pressure. He's under all this pressure. It's like impossible that a guy could play golf under this pressure. And he's still hitting birdies I mean, too. You have to play golf to understand this, but <laughs> it's, it's basically to play golf, you got to be nice and relaxed. Yeah. Nothing bothers me. Like if you if you're worried about your job, or you're worried about money, or you're worried about your wife cheating on you, or if you're not playing golf well, you he's play. playing better than he was playing ten years ago. Andrew said, and Andrew's played with him now for eighteen years. Andrew said he's playing better than he played twenty years ago. That's he's wild. an animal. He's an animal. A complete animal. <laughs> in the best like, way. I well, mean, I told him that. I said, you're, uh, I meant that in the right way. I said, you're a complete animal. I mean, the way he, I've seen him uh, from a, di- you know, he attacks the golf course. First of all, you know, a, can fl- I make something clear yeah. that uh, uh, Maria made clear to a number of people that called about mm. this flipping stuff? Yeah. I have nothing to flip on. That's what, what I would look, you, would I they know like me to lie? Would I know you're not. All right. So the news is going crazy. Everything they say, I know about Trump is uh, exculpatory. Yeah. I, I represented him because I thought he was innocent, and he's never let me down. And oh, by the way, let's face it, it is legal in America to complain about election results. It is legal it, in America to It's illegal to, think, to stop you. Right. <laughs> so everyone's getting on your case. So did you go, can you tell us what January 6th, uh, what, the, what the Jack Smith guy put you through? 
I can't really. I mean, it's confidential, but I mean, I, it was all, I pr- pretty much have said almost all the same things publicly. I have no evidence of any plan on January 6th to do anything. I didn't know they were going to the Hill until I got there. I don't think he did. I think he got told then to just say something nice to them. I think he said, he, he said, I'll go with you or something. And then I think he decided it was too cold, like I did, to go. It was freezing. It was like an afterthought. There was no big planning to that. You know, and, and I, I was around the White House more than ever in the three weeks before. There was no big planning for something on January 6th. What about, what about they left the doors open? <laughs> what about, like on January 6th, look, I think they left the doors open on purpose. I think they wanted to somehow taint MAGA, let him inside, and the whole movement will be tainted if we if we kind of facilitate this, I think they facilitated it. So five or six days after January 6th, maybe eight days later, myself, uh, Dr. Maria and uh, Bob Costello turned over to the U S attorney, all the evidence I had gathered because I gathered evidence right from the beginning when they brought me the Sullivan tape. So I had a different view of September 11th. Wait, the Sullivan, Oh, the Sullivan tape is the guy tape before anybody. He's the guy who recorded the death of Ashley Babbitt and looks like, he knew every step of the way where to go. Plus, he committed four or five crimes along the way. His name is John Sullivan. He's yeah. a Black Lives Matter activist, and he was there capturing on video at all the key places and times some of the worst stuff that and happened. You, and you see on that tape two guys that look very much like detectives guiding him to where to go. And, and finally, there's a tape the day before where he tells people to come there and burn the Capitol down, like uh, that other guy, Epps, except his is even worse. He actually said, we got to drag the president out of the White House. Yeah, I yeah. saw him we, do we that. Gotta, uh, he actually said something that's a crime. Yeah. Uh, you can't verbally threaten the president. Right. Like, if I just say, I'm going to kill the president, I mean, that, you, you can't say that. And he said, and not only that, he sent out a tweet before, two days before, come to Washington, all you Antifa people. We're going to take him out on the 6th. We're going to take him out on the 6th. John Sullivan tweeted that. Yes. It's in writing. I haven't seen that. I'll, I'll get it for you. No, I'd love to see that. Well, I can, I'll find it. My, All of that led to his being held for a half hour and let go. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, he's under indictment in, in uh, Utah for doing the same thing in a, in a riot where somebody got killed. And he took pictures of the killing. And he, he was uh, uh, indicted there for inciting that riot. So it's, he's a two-time, let's call him a two-time loser. All these other people are, you know, uh, first-time offenders and they're in jail for 20 months. So look, we know that Donald Trump can hold up uh, in, with all this pressure. He's doing fine. I am worried that they are going to, um, you know, try to indict him again on uh, on January 6th stuff, which would be a fake case, and the Georgia stuff. Um, you, you, So you went through this thing with Jack Smith. All, all it convinced me of is they don't have a criminal case. But that hasn't stopped them before. Of course not. The two things they indicted him for are crimes. In one, they didn't even indict. They didn't even indict him for a crime. Uh, complaining about the election, you're allowed to. You're allowed to believe that you weren't elected, and there was plenty of evidence given to him that he that there were just. It's not as if this election was a pure election. Let me ask you: Are they trying to just create more like? doubt and baggage and you know the the the, the a fog around trump yes, of course well that's part of it but or they are they really trying to throw him in jail or both both if they can right if they get him in jail they figure how's he gonna who, how, how will the american people elect somebody in jail uh i think they've given up on throwing him off 
I mean, they, they, at the beginning, I thought maybe they even strangely thought they could. Uh, an ordinary human being, you would throw off. Yeah. But a man who has his strength, and I think they've actually made him stronger by going after him so much. You know, when you, when you get through all this and you survive, you realize you can take it. So yeah. they prove to you you can take it. And now uh, the man is a patriot. And he's fighting for his country. I mean, he's, he's not doing this for himself anymore. It's I, way, he was doing it for himself, you know, a year, uh, four years ago. I wanna, he's doing it for the country right now. I totally believe that. I've seen it myself. And uh, unlike career politicians who are, you know, they're in it for themselves for the most part. Cut 21, if you don't mind, please. I want you to hear this, Mr. Mayor. Now I have a new, a new baby boy. He's three and a half years old. And his daddy named him after his brother, my deceased son. And he's Bo Biden. So guess what? They're crazy about me because I pay so much attention to them. He's talking about his grandkids. He said he had six earlier, six, but he actually has seven. Did you see the New York Times piece, a major piece on Hunter Biden and the grandkid and Joe refusing to acknowledge? And look, we've been talking about that for months, a year, actually. But that the Times did it suggests to me or well, let me ask you, what does it suggest to you? It sucks to me. He's not a human being. Well, we know that, but I mean, he's an evil human being. Uh, I, how, how do you, how do you dis, how do you disinherit or n- not even acknowledge your, your blood? It's 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 what kind of creep are you? It's unbelievable. But you and I have known that for a while. We've known about Navy. We've known about Arkansas. Beginning. We've known about it. But that the Times did this, and it's a pretty brutal story. Yeah, I mean, it is. They did it over the weekend. The New York Times, and they've been protecting him. They've been covering up for him. They did it now. Does it suggest to you that <laughs> the writing's on the wall and they're going to push Biden out? They're, they're just There's just too much baggage with Biden and they're going to push him out, Gavin Newsom or somebody else? I would if I were them. I hate to give him advice. I think we beat him easier than anybody else, believe it or not. Mm. But I don't see how you can take the risk. This is like putting a horse in a race. It's got a 50% chance of dying before the, the, the finish line. Because he's got a bad heart, a really bad. This guy got a bad brain. He could, he could go out in a minute. And what do you got then? Then you got an emergency. Uh, so why not try to do it in a logical way? Also, just one of these things hits, and they're starting to get really tough now. The uh, stuff against him. Uh, one of these, and, and then the rest of it goes off. If they turn against him on on just one of these things, there are about a hundred others to go off. It's like a. All these little fires are there, and if one big fire starts, the whole the whole building comes down. Let me ask you this, because when it comes to January 6th, even conservatives I know are freaked out about it. You can't talk about that. Oh, my God, that was the worst thing that ever happened. Now, it's not the worst thing that ever happened. I know a lot about January 6th. So many lies have been told about it. But here's my thing. The left, particularly white liberals, and not even too many <laughs> – some middle-of-the-road white people – for two years, they were supposed to say, they had to say, they were forced to say that Black Lives Matter was the best thing that ever happened, right? That it was a needed, beautiful, righteous movement. Now, deep down, they knew that wasn't true, okay? They knew it. They knew it. And then January 6th happens. And aha! Finally, we have some yeah, they violence. They had them. That we, no, but finally, we have violence that we, we can condemn this. Why? Because white people are doing it. And they felt like this is ugly. This is ugly, and we can call it out, unlike the other violence that we had to pretend we liked. I actually think that there's, there's actually a racial component to the treatment of January 6th compared to Black Lives Matter, because it's easier to pick on white people in America than people of color. And that has led to all kinds of crazy yeah, yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, but I, but I think uh, the, the the Democrats make a mistake. Thank God, they always overdo it. Mm. And then and they did it. They did it with um, they, if they had just dropped Russian collusion, uh, they they wouldn't have damaged themselves. I mean, they they had to go too far with it. But some people out there really do think, like, you talk to these liberals, they think that January 6th is the worst thing that ever happened. And I think they think that since Donald Trump, in their mind, is a threat to democracy, they can and will do whatever it takes. Legal. There are some. Right. I think but that, I think the number's going down. You do? I think the number's going down slowly. Hmm. I think the true believers you're never going to get. But you had a lot of Republicans and a lot of independents who were very upset about January 6th. And as they start hearing things now... Where's the insurrection? Sure. Where, you know, where, where, where are the guns? Mr. Mayor, do me a favor. Stand by. Sydney had to say something about the new police commissioner, acting police commissioner. Yes, Sydney. Yeah, that was my original. Uh, yeah, what do you want? Mr. Say Mayor, it. Mr. Mayor, I hope you could become mayor again. Get a physical. Okay. Get a clean bill of health <laughs> and clean up the city. Okay. Uh, as far as the new commissioner, <laughs> uh, yeah, we went to uh, school together, and I was closer to his brother, Eddie, his twin. Uh, they were both named. They were guy. both named Ed. I, isn't this? Isn't the commissioner's name Ed? Edward. Mr. Caban is his brother. His twin brother's Eddie. Yeah, that's the commissioner. I thought. Anyway, you like these guys, right? Yeah, I went to school with them. I, I hung out with them for a moment, and they were always polite and invited me to their home to meet their parents at one point. What were you dating and, them? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. They were just it's okay. They were just they were just cool friends, you know. Real All right, guys. listen. I'm sure he's a great guy, nice guy, but that is a very big job. It's all kind of administrative stuff you got to do. I hope he's up to it. We don't know yet. Sydney, thank you for that. And I got to do one more, Jeff. Very quickly, hi, Jeff. Yeah, are we covered, Greg, with the um, grandfather clause with all this new pronoun stuff with this with this new uh, general genere, whatever you want to call it. And we lost a great commissioner. She was from a great police department where the first black commissioner, William Willett, was the best guy in the world. I worked under him as a civilian. Nestle? Greatest yep. guy in the world. William, William Willett? Willett. Nestle yeah, County? Willie Willett, they call him. From where? Did you, did you know Willie? No. Uh, commissioner, uh, uh, Mr. Mayor, did you know William Willett? From Nassau County, right? Yeah, yep, first black commissioner. Sure, sure. sure of sure, what, sure. Of what jurisdiction? Nassau County. Na- oh, okay. Nassau County William Police. Willett. Uh, uh, I didn't hear about him. I didn't know about him. William Willett? I don't yeah, even know who the present police commissioner is in Nassau. Do you? That I don't either. I know. It's not I, like Actually, I just saw a quote, but uh, I can't remember. Uh, Jeff, thank you. And Mr. Mayor, thank you. All right? Happy 4th. Happy 4th, Greg. And, Great uh, job for America. Indeed. You. You for the world. Uh, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Happy 4th. Traffic jams. Tailgating. Pile-ups. Ugh. The joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.